You're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week, the programme where we have a look at the local print media here in County Clare and we give our take on it and um, we suggest maybe a little bit of reading for yourself over the weekend. Um, I'm joined, my name is Jim Collins and I'm joined by the most of the usual crew, not everybody today. So, John S. Kelly. John, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Jim. Pat O'Brien. Pat, welcome back. Thanks, Jim. And uh, David is uh, missing in action this week, so uh, hopefully he'll be back next week. But uh, his, his uh, place at fullback has been taken by the one and only Luke Fleming. So, Luke, you're very welcome. Thanks, Jim. I'm normally used to playing left outside. (laughs) My favourite. Jim, do you know where David is? He's delivering a lecture in the Louvre in Paris. Ooh. Oh, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he said that this week. Yeah. Yes, yeah, good stuff. We, we'll, have to, we'll have to talk to him about that next week. Of <laughs> course we will, yes. And if anything happens in Paris over the weekend, we'll be on to him as our uh, French or Parisian correspondent. Our wandering <laughs> scholar. Okay, so looking at uh, the, I suppose we have the Clare Champion here and we have the Clare Echo. And, John, you drew our attention before we came on air that uh, one of the things we left over last week, because we simply ran out of time, as we do every week, but Parik McMahon in the Clare Echo had a piece about the costs of going back to school and something yeah, that, yeah. you know, both you and I were very familiar with in our working days, but, of course, everybody who has children is, is familiar with it as well. Indeed, indeed, Jim. It's a short, it's a short report. Uh, by Parik on a motion that was being discussed at the County Council meeting two two weeks ago. And uh, the various councillors uh, did make observations about the increasing costs on parents, driving parents to borrow money. Uh, and he gives figures uh, in, the, in the article that a child going from primary school to, to first year in secondary uh, the average cost on the on the child is now worked out nationally at one thousand euro. Now, to us that may seem a small enough amount of money, but it is a lot of money. And uh, the back to school costs, as he speaks of, crippling, crippling. You know, the um, financial uh, position uh, on, uh, for the parents and. And they speak in the in the actual motion. One of the speakers uh, raised the question of why is it that all schools, and we're talking nationally now, you know, why is it that all the schools do not have a full-blooded uh, re- book rental scheme? Secondly, why is it that uh, school transport is still costing parents? Who sometimes can ill afford it, afford it okay? Yeah. Um, and then there is the question of extras. That word is used quite, you know, contribution. Contribution kind of suggests that it's voluntary. You no, know, well, it kind of is voluntary, but there are lateral under lateral pressures, uh, you know, peer pressure. How yeah. does a child feel who can't afford? I mean, you think about this one, Pat. Who can't afford? the money for the trip to the museum or to wherever else the, the class is going. Yes. What about the, 
and you're a parent now, and you've you've been through the scheme. Yeah, I suppose. Look, anyone that can't afford it is very embarrassing for the children as well. I suppose there should be a proper rental scheme, John, and and maybe should the department should really bring it in and and, and push it. Well, now the the, the thing is, uh, in the, it, that was discussed uh, at the uh, uh, at the council meeting. I know that in 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 Scarif here there is a full scale uh, rental scheme in the secondary. Okay. I, I, I presume there's a, f- a rental scheme at primary level as well, but do you often hear you'll often hear uh, parents complain that the actual books and at primary level especially uh, encompass uh, work work books that the child fills in. So once it's filled, it's no longer recyclable. Yeah. So. I think we might have mentioned this before, Jim. We did didn't, indeed, yeah. Didn't we? Yeah, but so, sometimes the books, uh, sometimes you see those books, those workbooks. Yeah. And imagine there'd be three or four pages used in them, and, and you know, they, wouldn't be, they wouldn't be used out at all. Yeah. And then you'd have other books as well, where you might have the same book, but there'd be some maybe sm- small item and it changed, and there'd be no good to, yeah. to give it away to somebody else the following year. Yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah. schools. I, I, I think, I think I said this before. Somebody said it anyway that schools really are at the mercy of the book publishers. Yeah, quite right. And they're left by the department because the department has to stay aloof and can't come down on the one side or another in terms of book publishing. Mm. But you know, I, I mean, I know it firsthand. Now, with with young children, workbooks are really. Uh, it's very hard to to get away from, from that yeah from yeah. from workbooks uh, with small children yeah. but as children move up through primary school you know they use less and less of them yeah um to my knowledge there is a rental scheme in most primary schools there was certainly it was there in my time when i was teaching and i think it's uh, i think it would be in most schools i know in fairness the department of education they they gave grant aid did, yeah. to buy yeah. the initial books yeah. Mm. Yeah. and then they're sold are, they're, they're rented and there's some income to the school from the rent to follow yeah. and, and yeah. They, they can be topped up in that regard. Um, the, I suppose I was a pupil of yours, John, when free education was introduced. Yes. Um, and that was in today or yesterday by the late Donnick O'Malley. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it's not free because you mentioned there, you mentioned costs of, of bus travel. Yeah. Uh, you, in primary schools, you had primary schools closed down Small schools, you know, I can think of in my own parish here in Scarif, we'll say Cooling Bridge and Clonusker and Cafaban, certainly all closed down, you know, over a few years. So all those children are bussed to primary school. Mm. Um, And the other thing as well then is that schools tend to, you know, get enough money from the Department of Education to just about stay open. Mm. Now, that was my experience. Yes, yes. uh, You know, maybe that's slight exaggeration, but just enough to keep the door open, Mm. but not enough to provide the sort of... the, the extras, the, uh, the extras, and the, and the, like uh, many teachers would argue, they're not extras. Mm. Extras would be sort of would suggest luxuries. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, trips to the museum or trips to swimming, for example, yeah, yeah. or visits to historical sites and that kind of thing. I mean, they're they're not extras. They're not, no, no. You know, if you want to, to talk about, mm. you know, we'll say something like how people lived in the past. And and you want to you want to bring the children to Craganoan, or you want yeah, to bring them yeah. to Bunratty, or you want to bring them somewhere on an educational trip, and that costs a fortune. Mm. 
and it's the it's the travel is more than anything else particularly uh, the swimming end of it mm. now I remember we'll say we went swimming every year to Killaloo or Shannon or Ennis different places but the, the largest cost was the bus the bus of course yeah, yeah. Um, so those kind of things are not funded by the state yes, yeah. so if a school and schools are under pressure because if you have a school who offer nothing outside of the three R's mm. and whatever you know people will say Janice I mean why isn't that school doing it when the school over the oh, road is doing it. Yeah. And, and can you imagine if I'm that child sitting in the class who knows that money is very, very tight at home, I can't ask mam or dad uh, to pay the whatever it is the contribution for this particular hmm. outside of school uh, visit you know, which is, as you mm. said, part and parcel. Now, schools do tend, John, to bend over backwards, to, to not to allow a situation that somebody won't be at something because they can't afford it. Mm. And, but even even with all the best intentions in the world, Jim, if I'm a kid there and can't afford it, even if, in fact, the family, even if the school is going to actually, you know, make a contribution for me, I'm still suffering this you know, you sense yeah. Yeah. of guilt and, and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, just mm. feeling bad. Yeah. So now it's an interesting article. It's a, it's well worthy of uh, reflection, reflection please, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Indeed. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Okay, looking at, uh, just to move on to a different topic, and I suppose this is a, a regular chestnut. Um, it's on the front page, certainly on the front page of the Clare Champion. Uh, it, I think the, the headline there is, Pat, his hospital is out of control. Yeah, it's the leading... Um, the and it's, it's yeah. a headline we're used to hearing. <laughs> it's the leading article in, in the, in the Clare Champion. Hospital out of control, overcrowding reaches new records with 95 patients on trolleys in UHL. Uh, Dan Dan has the, the leading story here. Health Minister Stephen Donnelly is coming under pressure to address dangerous overcrowding. This is out of control at University Hospital Limerick. After the number after the numbers admitted uh, of admitted patients waiting on the bed for a bed spiralled to a new record of 95, INMO Assistant Director of Industrial Relations Mary Fogarty recalled since the start of November. There were 891 patients on trolleys in the University Hospital Limerick with record overcrowding this week. When all members sounded an alarm on persistently dangerous overcrowding, coupled with COVID-19 back in July, we called for direct ministerial intervention, while Minister Donnelly at the time stated this, this was not required. The situation in Limerick has worsened since, the fo- since, since we first made the call. Hmm. Why is that? I mean, you can predict it. I know maybe it's a, with COVID and, and, and COVID is rampant at the moment. Maybe it's a bit more pronounced, a bit more acute than usual. But like it happens every year, yeah. every single year. And we can say, that, but, you know, there's going to be X number of people in Limerick and in other hospitals that are... Can, I'm just wondering, can the HSE, you know, in their preparation, they know this is going to happen. Yes. Is there anything that can be done to take on more staff, to open extra wards? I don't, I don't know. I'm only throwing it out. But I think it's very, very much what you've just said, uh, that uh, issues such as not enough physical space, not enough personnel. Okay, that's two things. Not enough, not enough equipment. Um, but the physical space, like, is, is at this point in time, we have people who, God forbid, if they get a, you know... A, seriously ill this evening yeah. uh, and they're brought into to Limerick what's hmm. going to happen yes 
you know. Have we enough but doctors? Have we enough no, nurses? We I'm just wondering, is that where the yeah. problem is? Connor, Connor, remember Connor McGee, Dr. Connor McGee, in our, his chat with us a couple of weeks back, Jim, he pointed out that our uh, doctors pro rata with the population is one of the worst in Europe. Hmm. So there's a shortage, you know, we, and we talked about that, and we, we were kind of making a point, look at, for God's sake, train more doctors. And then the answer you hear back, oh, well, that's grand, but you see, we don't have the, clinic, the clinicians, the consultants, we're short 700 consultants. So it's, talk about a vicious cycle, and a vicious circle. Yes. My God, it's, so the answer to your question is, I don't know what the answer to it. Mm. Well, they, 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 they added a hundred extra beds in, in Limerick this year. They, they built it, there was a big, an extension built and it's open this year, but it still yeah. isn't, isn't doing anything for it. Yeah. And I know people say that doctors and nurses, they leave after training, you know, and they go and work in other places where wages are better according to what one hears and um, lifestyle is better as well. Yeah. Uh, if, if that, you know, is a... Is that part of the problem as well, I wonder? I have a, a Overworked, underpaid. Underpaid. Well, I have a, yeah. a, a, a grandniece who, who went to uh, Australia two year, a year ago uh, after qualifying, and the reason she gave, uh, with 14 of her fellow classmates, now bear in mind, and the answer she gave was that, uh, just as Luke said, um, half the hours, double the salary. And a beautiful physical environment, you know, okay? Yes. Uh, so. The weather probably doesn't hurt neither. No. <laughs> so, I mean, Jim, <laughs> you know, if you, st if you think, sorry. Okay, John. If you think about it, uh, is there a case for obliging graduates to give to the state, which is to the people, uh, three years after qualifying in return for you know, the facilities which enable them to qualify as a doctor. Well, you have the argument, John, as to if they're paying for the uh, privilege of becoming a doctor, why should the state sort of, you know, hold them to ransom? Well, should let the state pay. Hmm. Let the state ah, uh, pay. Correct. That, but that would make sense, John. It'd be a little bit like the whole thing with consultants. The row that they had, I'd say, it must be less than, t less than 10 years ago. Uh, in relation to consultants and a junior consultant and this type of consultant, they basically wanted to pay them less, but would say for the numbers of people involved, if they had actually been able to come to a proper agreement, they'd have... A now, nobody's arguing that consultants don't get paid a lot of money. They do, and there are debates in relation to public work and private work and the whole thing in relation to that, but if they were paid what would be uh, a figure you know, equivalent to what they could get anywhere else, they sh they'd, they'd stay here and you you might argue they might have to get paid a little bit more here to try and keep them here and that's what we should be doing but that's a whole other argument mm. that won't make sense Is I sorry Jim I, ju I just see in, in the clear echo there Porrick has a, an article on uh, page 8 uh, the health minister uh, Stephen Donnelly's position is no longer tenable uh, Deputy Michael Mar McNamara has uh, uh, has described management of the COVID-19 pandemic across the country as an abject failure and uh, uh, speaking to Claire Echo, McNamara said of the health minister, I think at this stage he has to go. No, uh, yes. I, I don't think he is going to go. But uh, I, the, the issues in health, you know, they always have called health, we'll say the health system in Ireland, the health department in Ireland, 
What did a, a he not do, piece. Luke? What did he not do that might justify uh, giving him his P60? Now, this is the 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 million dollar question where you could say, what can one individual do, right? And you say, can't you blame him for X, Y, or Z? Uh, just this week, we've had a number of U-turns in relation to antigen tests and various bits and pieces. And it's very easy for us to be sort of uh, clever after the event and sort of look back and trying to revise history. In general, I think they did a very good job. No one could argue that they didn't throw enough money at it. We will probably be paying for it for years, but that's a whole other argument. But uh, the health system in general is broken, has been broken for years and will continue to be broken. You look at the amount of money that's put into it and what are you getting out of it? I, I, I think we nearly want to move on, Jim. But I'll just say, mm. to finish, uh, the population of the country has increased, I think, by half a million maybe over the last 10, 15 years. When was the last time we had a new hospital built? Well, we're building one now. <laughs> the children's hospital. <laughs> no, that's, that's a whole other de debate. But, but, uh, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we could build a lot of uh, offshore turbines off uh, the coast of Clare for the cost of one hospital. But, uh, you know, Tala, and I think Tala, I think, is nearly open 30 years at this stage. Yeah. Population increases. More people need, you know, more population i.e. more people wind up in hospital at some stage, yeah. and we've less capacity. And you have an older population that was... Exactly, and Nina and Ennis sort of, you know, shut and turned into Vision. whatever they are now, and I think, you know, maybe 10, 15 years later, they're finally starting to sort of grasp that they need to be putting more yeah. facilities into, which is beginning to happen. But again, no proper planning. No, no one has a clue. Do you agree with that, Pat? Well, they closed Ennis, they closed, um, they closed Nina, and they closed uh, Bellingtons. And then they pushed it all out to, uh, you, uh, everyone was pushed out outside to, to, to Dora Dyle. And uh, it didn't look like that there was proper planning done. There was no planning done. No. Mm. Everything, I mean, it's close, close, close. Um, yeah. Then we'll see what we'll do. do yeah. And, yeah. and that seems to have been yeah. the, the case down the years. Mm. Yeah. You know, we cut costs, we cut costs. But, I mean, the, the patient really doesn't come into it. Mm. Either. No. Okay. Listen, um, talking about, you know, I, I didn't think that some of the people who live around me here in Scariff are terrorists. But apparently um, we, we, we live among terrorists and so does Pat O'Brien over in O'Callaghan's Mills. Uh, there's a, a lovely photograph here of uh, our own Dennis Toohey, Dennis from Whitegate, and uh, he's, at, he's addressing uh, a group of farmers um, he's addressing not a group of farmers, he's addressing the Minister for Agriculture, uh, Charlie McConnellogue. And uh, he talks about farmers suffering mental health over the depiction in the media of being farmers, he says, being treated like environmental terrorists. What is an environmental terrorist? Well, a terrorist is someone who terrorizes. Yeah. So I suppose if you're terrorizing the environment, you're you're treating the environment with with no yeah. respect, and you're destroying uh, bit by bit the environment that's that's around you. Mm. I mean, that's I'm not saying farmers are doing that now, but um, that's that's the and the depiction. I mean, we spoke about this here a couple of weeks ago, uh, where you know cows seem to be. Pat O'Brien was talking about it. I think that cows seem to be you get rid of half the cows, and that's the answer to. Mm. Um, lowering gases, uh, methane in the atmosphere. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it looks like. And I think that the media in Dublin, uh, appeared to, I, I was watching television, I think I might have said it last week, I was watching television last week and I switched from, from one uh, um, programme um, 
uh, after the news uh, from Mary Malcallahan was over in, 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 in Glasgow. And she was uh, interviewing uh, Eamon Ryan, and the first thing she asked him about was uh, about cutting the national herd. Cutting the national herd. And I switched back into, I think that was over, and I switched over to the to TV3, and they were discussing cutting the national herd on that <laughs> program as well. <laughs> well, Luke, <laughs> I'm just... Uh, most, it, just it just appears that there's nothing else, nothing else on the agenda when you, when you cut the national herd. <laughs> Luke is the only one of us here, I, I, as far as I know, from a non-farming background. Oh, right? most definitely. I just wasn't <laughs> brought up on a farm. I wasn't brought up on were you not? I oh, thought, no. I thought holidaying, yes, but not a no, no. I thought um, you you come I was from a farming city, stuff. A city lad. Oh yeah, my apologies, John. <laughs> but uh, so I was going to ask Luke his his view on the the uh, farmers and the the environment. I have lots of views, but uh, <laughs> uh, in general, I don't think uh, farming the farming community can be blamed because I think the vast majority of farmers are willing to cooperate, are willing to sort of go with technology um, and are willing to innovate. And I think there's a lot of innovation in around East Clare here as well, but it's an easy stick to beat because, um, you know, you've had uh, Paul Bugler and a few people in conversation a few weeks ago on Saturday Chronicle, and I'd highly recommend anybody to go back and have a listen to that debate that was mm. had, because at the end of the day, you want to talk about figures. And the national herd hasn't really increased a huge amount in the last 20 or 30 years, but everything else has. So the consumer society has increased. But no, that's okay. We want the consumer society, but we want to cut the herd. The herd isn't the problem. We're the problem. Yes. So and, and I think Paul gave the, the maybe the percentage increase in flights over Ireland yeah. as opposed to... Well, flights and cars, yeah. you know, yes, and, yeah. and, and like, you know, the whole thing, you can sort of argue that, you know, there's offsets for this and offsets for that and we'll do this and we'll do that. Uh, don't get me started with the sort of lack of plan in this country. It's an easy thing for the, the uh, we, we, we call it the mainstream media up in Dublin to sort of give out about the, uh, about the cultures. They don't mind coming down to sort of look at the, the cows and the farmery and, yeah. and the scenery during the for a week or two well, no they want to have their, their cake and eat it or uh, their steak the, and eat it exactly no, uh, lads, no, you're being, you're being very hard on Dublin for <laughs> tell me this uh, I do, you think, started, <laughs> do you think we could actually capture I mean we have a reality where we have the animals they're belching well not so much belching it's exuding kerosene out of their Derriere or the rear ends, all right? No, it is the, the, the no you were right the first time. It's I belching. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, it's belching. So anyway, uh, Don't do you want. think we could actually reach a stage where you keep your cows inside uh, and we capture the methane gas and we use it for uh, energy? Mm. It mightn't, mightn't I, be so easy, John. Yeah, but I, wait a minute, I can't dismiss it like like <laughs> the. <laughs> see, Pat sees the value of this. He having uh, reared animals. I see Martin McMahon said it on that program that you know that there probably wants to be a lot more. Maybe science and that girl from there's a girl from Tungreni here. And Emily Roskin, yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's she's studying at the present time the, yeah. about about meeting. And uh, Merton, I think, said it as well that, you know, that there's a lot of uh, detail to go into this and maybe a lot of science to be yeah out. And, and and I think to be fair, farmers, you know, uh, would 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 work with the with the department and with the government. And I, you know, we have we have some of the best land in 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 Europe probably for producing uh, beef and and. Milk. We, all well. we all have to eat, John. 
And yeah, we don't. But I actually isn't it a fact? And it came out in in, in recent conversations with the with our friends. Uh, did it? Is it not a fact that the consumption of meat is downwards? The graph is downwards, not upwards. Yeah, that's but my understanding. Is yeah, there, but, but there's still big demand, and cattle are, are, are cattle are very dear at the present time. Are they and, good? And, yeah. And have, the, have you been to Aldi or Little or Duns or Tesco's or Super Value? I don't think I've left out any shop in, in, in passing, <laughs> yeah. Luke. Have you seen the shelves empty when it comes to the meat counter? I wouldn't have. No, no. there's still plenty there's of still demand, John. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not saying there isn't a demand, Luke, but there that there is on health grounds. That there is a slight reduction in the annual per capita consumption of beef and well, other maybe meat there is, and, ma and maybe, uh, mm. as I said, I don't think agriculture has ever had a problem with evolving. No, and that's very true. They could go, and if they want them to sort of go back and plant a few more trees, I'm sure they can do it, and then we can have a row about how they won't allow them to be have the trees cut down. Anyway, the any any cursory article, the heading of the article that commenced this particular discussion was. Uh, IFA farmers treated like environmental terrorists, and I'm I'm still searching after how do we how have we treated uh, environmental terrorists? What's the 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 actual record in that regard? And what are, who are you know what class of people are you talking about? But I think it's the portrayal in the media as opposed yeah. to anything that farmers do. Yeah. I mean, farmers, as, as Luke said, they, they work the land and generally. They, they're, you know, you can always have farmers who aren't kind to the environment, but yeah. the majority, I'd say, I'm sure are. Um, but but it's, the, it's the depiction in the media. That's the, that's the thing. The one thing I was just, on what you were talking about there in the consumption of meat, I'm looking into Centra. I see every time I go into Centra, the um, number of meat substitutes that they that they sell is getting wider and wider. I see Denny now, you know, and the, famous know Denny the famous Denny, the famous Denny sausage. I know you can still buy Denny sausages, I presume, but you can also buy Denny meat-free sausages. Now, I'm not promoting Denny, but I mean, there's others. There's Corden and there's various other ones, but uh, more and more and more the the. Now, these, these, the, what goes into these things are grown by farmers as well. So it's not like something that farmers, uh, but Luke talked about evolving, and maybe that's part of it. I was in the shop the other day, and, it was, um, and I see um, uh, uh, plant-based um, black pudding. Plant-based black pudding. Pudding, yeah. There was no no meat in it. No meat. Oh yeah, I've come across black pudding. such yeah. stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. you might wind up with a happy compromise, Jim, might, where, yeah. where the environmentalists might be happy, and yeah. the sort of uh, people that want to eat plants, they can be happy too. And the farmers are, can make their money out of growing the plants. Indeed. So it's a, a question of of, of adaptation. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, the national uh, language needs to change in relation to it. Mm. How it's portrayed in the media. Just, yeah. just there before we go from it, um, um, Dennis Tuhi has, has a fine article there on it, and 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 where where, um, where farmers are going to uh, are going to be losing out on, on on the various schemes and all that. So yeah, it's just it's just a nice article for any any farmer or anyone in, in interested in farming to that, to read. That's Dan, Dan 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 Danaher's. Isn't it? Yeah, Dan Danaher's. Yeah, yeah. Just Dennis Tuhi is uh, quoting all the, the various schemes and uh, IFA schemes and all, yeah. all the various schemes that suckler cow schemes and all that kind of stuff. So, 
Um, okay, but, listen, we need to, we, we're, we're nearly at half time, um, but we want to get in, a, guess, we want a few points down before half time. Uh, the puka. I'm just wondering, Pat, uh, Pat is looking at the puka as we speak. Yeah. Uh, and uh, is uh, what kind of progress <laughs> is or not is he making? I think he's in, in board papers, uh, Jim. Uh, he's here in the clear champion in the regard. And Deegan has a, a, a story on page six. Uh, Puka Artis says, Council emoji based survey will play into naysayers' hands. Pat, I'll have to pull you up there. Uh, <laughs> the, the, hip, the hip phrase emoji, not emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my apologies. Right. Yeah, the creator of the controversial Puka statue has expressed concerns that a council online survey over the artwork will give the naysayers an effective veto. Adrian Hart was commenting after Clare County Council launched the online survey to get views mainly of people in, in assignment as to whether the Puka should be installed in the North Clare town. I suppose this, um, the, I don't know, the, I don't know if there's a great idea on that. Well, have a vote. Uh, yeah, because he, he what the, the artist's name again is? Uh, uh, Adrian Hart. Adrian Hart. He says, oh, Adrian in, Hart, yeah. Yeah, Adrian Hart. he says in the article that um, giving the naysayers, uh, you know, an opportunity of expressing it means is they'll control it. Hmm. Okay. So if it if if it's determined on numbers supporting or or, or against it, they're going to win out. Yes, because they'll, they'll be, they'll come and they'll marshal their forces. They will indeed, yeah. Mm. And, and do you know what I'm afraid of as well, Jim? I'm afraid of the use of, and the community are against it. When people uh, protesting at all and set themselves up as the voice of the community, I go on a red alert immediately. Yes, because you and I, John, could meet down the street and, and we'd agree with one another, we're yeah. both against it, so we, yeah. we can tell everyone, everyone's against it. Everyone is against it. Yeah. What do you think of that, Luke? Yeah, I, I just see it, it's in the clear echo there as well. Um, Gordon Deegan has an article, we'll say, on, on, on page nine, and you know the, the headline is, Council Smiley Puka Survey, quote, will give naysayers a veto. And John... I said, you get these uh, keyboard warriors online, as you said, you're more you're more likely going to get a negative reaction than a positive one. And, you know, a little bit like the sort of vote to, they're on about having the vote, we'll say to, you know, turn La Hinch into Le Hinch <laughs> or, spelling or, or stuff like that. You yeah. know, these yeah. things online, you sort of, you know, I don't know how, how much social media you get involved with, John, but uh, it can be a very poisonous place because yeah. Yeah. you can sort of have a keyboard and sort of express a lot of thoughts that yep. you wouldn't express if you met someone face to face. Well, well I've, I've said it before. I'd love to see the puka come to East Clare. Yeah. Where would you put it now? In, in, we could, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm from Scarif, Lucas, from Tuncraney, we could put it somewhere in between. And Pat is in the middle. Uh, Pat is in the middle, he might <laughs> want it as well. Yeah. Uh, put him below on the bridge there, the bridge. The, on the bridge. On the bridge, below on Scarif. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, what you want is tourists to come to see this thing. Yeah, sure, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't the new bridge in, in Killaloo that be might, the ideal? 
Yeah, you're, you're leaving tip and you're coming into Clare. That's <laughs> yeah. the best, best way to describe it. I, I just see the the, uh, the sculptor, uh, Mr. Hart, says, uh, no is always a little bit louder than yes. I do appreciate the Clare County Council is in a different, difficult position because they need to represent the people. And if a couple of loud voices have said no, they can't ignore them. He yeah. stated that based on Radio Vox Pops, the feeling in Ennis Diamond appears to have moved on and most people think it was a silly post-lockdown overreaction in the protest to it. And you know what? I think yeah. you may be right. You may well yeah. be right. In, the, in May this year, the, the project was paused after a local outcry, including past priest, Father Willie Cummins, denouncing the plans to meet a high puka from the altar as a Sunday mess. Uh, should yeah. he have done that? that? If that puka ever gets up, <laughs> It will be a major tourist attraction. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and the more that hasn't the more there is about it, the better. Yeah, yeah. But I still say bring it to East Clare. Mm. Okay, we're, we've, we've gone past the halfway point. Um, we've time for a bit of music. Um, Pat, have you any suggestions for us today? We'll, we'll, we'll have, uh, Jim, this week we'll have Glenn Miller in the mood. Oh, and is the, is the mood good or is it not, Pat? <laughs> well, I suppose it's good enough. Didn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Glenn Miller in the mood. Did you ever dance to it? I probably did, John, I did. You're very welcome back. You're listening to Local Media this week here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. And that was Glenn Miller in the mood. We spoke there during the during the break. Um, someone was saying Glenn Miller died back in the 1940s. And uh, I didn't think he, he was, you know, he, he didn't last that long after in the mood. You were saying, John, it was the early 1940s that that, that song came out. 40, I think it was in 42. Yes. Um, I was two years of age. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and you did. You you were good to jive even at that stage. But when you think about it, actually, it's, it's a great jive number, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But just before the whole jive uh, uh, took off. Yes, long before. Okay, but it's yeah. it's uh, anyway. While just mention of music there, uh, I'd lo- like to mention. Uh, the release or the launch of a new CD this weekend here in East Clare. And the CD is called A Time of Being. And it's, it's a, there's, I, I can't remember how many tracks in it now. Um, I think there's maybe about 10 or 12. But it's, um, and I don't have it here in front of me, but it's, it's uh, dedicated to the memory of the late Tommy Keenan, who, who lived in Whitegate. And uh, a group of his friends, Tommy and his friends, were regulars at various sessions, um, particularly in Whitegate and in the Nightingale and various other pubs. And there's nothing Tommy and his friends liked uh, as, as good as a session. So his friends got together over the last number of months and they picked a couple of tracks. Each one would have a particular meaning, really, for... Uh, for Tommy and for the group uh, in their in in the fun they had over the years, and um, they recorded here in Scarif Bay Community Radio Studio. Uh, it was mixed then and produced by um, Matt Purcell, and it's for sale this weekend, costing ten euro. It's an absolute 
marvellous, beautiful music in it. I mean, none of the musicians are professional, but that doesn't stop them. And where is it va- available? It's available in shops in Whitegate, Mount Shannon and Scarf. Very good. Um, and costing? Costing 10 euro. Nice Christmas present. And all the, the proceeds go to Milford House um, in, in Limerick. So the, it's the entire proceeds go there. So uh, absolutely marvellous. So we highly recommend um, that you know, our listeners would think about it. It's a lovely Christmas present. Can we add a, 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 a second local one as well? You can, of course. Yeah. Uh, Anne Jones and uh, Pather King, uh, in the company of John Kelly, the photographer with the Clare Champion, they have produced the art of place people and landscape of County Clare and uh, it is a beautiful piece of work it will be launched in Glore on November the 29th okay by Catherine Martin that's our Minister for Tourism Culture what have you and the article in question has a photograph the article is from the champion and it has a photograph of uh, um, one of our own that's Frank Blake of Drewsborough. Okay, of normal people. Of normal people. He looks quite normal now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frank always looked normal. <laughs> but it's a fine, striking photograph. So be on the lookout for it, anyway. The Art of Place, People and Landscape of County Clare. Another one for the Christmas. Stocking. Stocking. Lovely. Okay. Great stuff. Is it time really for books now, John? Anyway, it is, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. CDs. And yeah. CDs, yeah. Okay, we'll move on. Looking, I'm, I'm still looking at the puka here on page, uh, what is it, page six of the Clare Champion. But Pat, there's two stories there, just beside the puka. And I suppose it's pure coincidence that it's just beside the puka. But motorists putting their lives at risk at dangerous junction. And I know this is a hobby hearts of yours. You've often spoken about it before. Yeah, um, Fiona McGarry has the has the story here on page six. Uh, a concentrated, a, con, a, con, a concerted campaign is being sought to tackle a junction on the main artery into East Clare, where people are putting their lives at risk. Several members of the Kildare Municipal District issued stark warnings about this, about the situation at Hinchy's Cross on the R three five two. The intersection is one of the preferred routes for traffic coming from the Mert in Innes and Shannon Airport into busy regional road. At the November meeting of the of the district of the district Kildare uh, District Councillor Pat Hayes appealed to the Kildare Director to make case for major safety works. Efforts have been ongoing to secure funding from the Department of Transport for a major two million scheme. I suppose it's it's on the it's on the main road and it's it's a dangerous junction and there's a there's a height above uh, at the inner side of it and there is there is a very awkward one isn't when it? you're coming out there it is very blind yeah yeah and um, have we had accidents there well they the, they say there the has been accidents in it yeah, yeah yeah a few accidents mm. yeah well maybe not too, not serious but the, there was accidents there yes so. Okay, and I'm looking now across on page seven, because when we're in that part of the champion at all, we'll stay here. The future home of Holy Island Visitor Centre secured by the council. And I see a photograph there taken by John Kelly of the old rectory in Mount Shannon. And apparently that's where the 
uh, interpretive centre, the visitor centre associated with Inish Kalter, John, is going to be. And I presume the ground is going with the house there, is it? There, 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 oh, I would imagine so. Quite an acreage, there. yeah. Yeah, there is a there's a good piece of ground there in, in front of the... So we're probably looking at, at, at external uh, car parking spaces as part of the development. Possibly, possibly, uh. yeah. They, that, I know that building was used by in, in the early years of the Mount Shannon Arts Festival. Yeah. And, uh, you know, recitals took place there and um, various, you know, items and, and exhibitions associated with the festival. So yeah. it has been used before by the public, but it wasn't private ownership then. But uh, it's great to see and it's adjacent to the harbour. So oh, it's, sure. It's a magnificent location it for, is. for yeah, the yeah. interpreter said. Centre, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is indeed. Okay, just looking. I mean, it's anyway. That's that's a good news story, John. You had a piece there on um, the hybrid working. Well, I'm looking at now. Luke often talks about hybrids, but it's not about <laughs> work. He's talking. It's it's, it's about uh, charging, charging yeah. electronic cars or partially no. electronic okay. cars. Okay, I suppose that's where we first came into contact with the term hybrid, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it's al- it's also associated with seeds, where seeds are right? modified. Um, you can buy hybrid versions of seeds for plants, let's say, or vegetables, which will produce a vegetable exactly as you want it. Well, it's an article by Owen Ryan in The Champion. Uh, and uh, the title is Hybrid Working is Here to Stay, Say Consultants. Right? And Bargaining Power Over Conditions uh, in Employees' Hands. Now, tell me this, lads. Do you think hybrid working that is to say some days working from home some days working in the office right do you think it's it's here to stay that it's going to you know uh, is this something we're going to have to, we're going to have to live live with and if we are then it merits very serious analysis i think and that's a longitudinal one it's going to take time before we realize you know the impact which yeah. Such, uh, such a positive and negative. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The one that's kind of I would anticipate is the uh, as a negative one is the um, lack of social contact that's implicit in in this system of working from home. Hmm. Am I, 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 I yeah, right or wrong? I know you're you're dead on, but I suppose the the the, the term hybrid, John, would suggest a mixture. Yeah, which would alleviate some of one's concerns, let's say, about the um, excluding, you know, inter- yeah, yeah. avoiding interaction with people. Some people might be delighted to avoid interaction with people. Yeah, as well. yeah. But um, but I mean, okay, yeah. I know that the hybrid is a combination. Yeah, and and the the ratio that's kind of talked about a lot is four one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the four at home and one yeah. in the yeah. office. Yeah. Yeah, it would certainly be a huge change. No? Yes. It would be a huge, huge change because people, a lot of people's social mm. interaction. I remember when I was living in Dublin and uh, an awful lot of my social interaction was through school. 
So yes. if if you know, and it, it would be the same for a lot of people. So it would be a huge jolt to the whole mm. people's social network. Were there yeah. no marquees in Dublin? Jim? There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. No, yeah, I, r- remind me to mention the concussion marquee uh, <laughs> yeah. before we finish today. But, Je- but Jim, engineering, as the guy the, the guy says in the article, engineering, scientists, all the rest of it, if you don't offer a hybrid type arrangement now, you're not going to get people to work for your company. Not a strong statement. Yeah. Is it, is it a fact, Luke? I think it's the reality of is the, it? At, at the minute. Well, you, yeah. you look at the way that things are, are going or have gone over the last number of years. You have people have been doing interviews online. Yeah. And, like, personally, I would think it would be difficult for someone, a pr- prospective employer, to try and get an idea of the type of person that they're looking potentially for? going yeah. to employ by looking at a computer screen. Yeah. yeah, so it's yeah. just my pers- personal yeah. thought. You know, that's, that's a good point, Luke. Um, yeah. Joe Robbins here. He's um, he's uh, I know Joe. He's a career recruitment uh, um, uh, business in Shannon, and he says this here t- uh, remote work is here to stay. Hmm. And he said pe- people won't go back to situations where their jo- where their job took a major toll on family life. He feels the days of getting up, getting the kids up at six thirty a.m., getting them ready, and sho- showing a slice of toast in their face, driving <laughs> off to the crash. Parents going to work and collect them to get the kids again at seven when they, when they're wrecked, tired. That's all gone now. He says. Hmm. Yeah, that's I interesting. But a lot of the people working from home will say no in the in the current pandemic and over the last yeah. year. I mean, have spent the first nine tenths or nineteen twentieths of their life working in an office or working in a building. Hmm. But I mean. Take people, Luke said there about interviews and people coming onto the market and getting a job and finding your four days out of five at home. Yeah. You'll, you'll really have no interaction with, or very limited interaction with your work colleagues. And that, it will be a big, big change. Mm-hmm. If that yes, is. Yeah. Again, I would think depending on the organisation. So therefore, if the government tries to get state companies to try and do it, it'll be an unmitigated disaster. But I can imagine that there'll be a number of... Uh, professional businesses and companies out there that would make success of it. And you have to bear in mind, John, the one thing in relation to it is you look at the way the property prices have gone over the last few years. Yes. Everybody would have thought the property prices would have gone through the floor. Hmm. They've gone nuts. Hmm. You know, property prices up in a hinge up 39% in a year. In a year. Yes. And they're saying that this whole thing of, uh, you know, working from home is one of the reasons. Now, you'd all like to sort of work from home and then to go out for a Mm. stroll down the prominent hinge for half an hour as opposed to being sort of, you know, uh, on the 14th floor of a building probably up in the Docklands in Dublin. But uh, there are other, uh, you know, uh, things to consider as well. Uh, You know, uh, big offices, Will they be idle? They will. You know, that's going to have... There'll be reconfiguration. Well, for what? I'm not quite sure yet. Correct. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know... There's a lot of uncertainties. You'd say the companies that might have had, you know, uh, an office block, we'll say, before that would have employed 600. Now, if they've only people coming in one or two days a week, they might only need a space for 150. Absolutely. So, why would they have a bigger space? Well, my son, Michael, is over in, in, in Toronto. And he got a, a, new, a new job there recently, and he's working for a company in Los Angeles. 
and he's working from 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 Toronto inside in his own place, in, in his own apartment or house. Yeah, in his own apartment, and there's, yeah. a, there's a group in it. He, he's designing ads and all that kind of stuff, and he he does um, um uh, what you call it as well the websites, websites and that. Yeah, and um, but there's a, 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 a four or five of them. Uh, they, they they connect up and they they design these ads. Mm-hmm. And he's working from there, and he's working for the company in LA. Yeah. So th- there are c- there are certain models and, uh, that the location isn't, you know, critical. Mm. Last week he was on the phone to me, and he said, "You know what? He was he was designing an ad for <laughs> uh, erectile dysfunction." <laughs> 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 Yes, yes. That's what their latest one. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, rising sure. to the top, I'm sure. Jim, yes, we better uh, move <laughs> on. We better move on. Listen, can I, I bow to Luke on this now, but uh, I was listening to Mark Zuckerberg there a few weeks ago. Yeah. Was he talking about the metaverse? Yeah. The what? And the, is there, am I right in the term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 Facebook have got a bit of a bad rep uh, as of late, so they're sort of half changing the name of some of the stuff that they do from Facebook uh, to but Meta. Am I right in thinking that looking long term, they're thinking of the idea which would solve John's problem is the four of us, for example, here now in the studio, we could be at home. and uh, But we could have holograms of us, yes. if you like, together in the one room. Yes. So that by, I don't know, putting something on my head or whatever, I can see John and I can see Luke and I can see Pat and we appear to be here in the same room and we can converse. Mm, but we're not. Oh, we're not. No, we're all at home. Now, that, that raises the question is, what, how significant is the physical uh, contact and physical closeness how important is that in a communication situation? I'd say, given our communication, I, I don't want to get too technical now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, where people might hug one another, like grandparents would, and grandchildren. I know, I know, top of that. Uh, but, but it probably would be okay for us. Yeah. I think yeah. We, get an, we get something from the aura that surrounds each of the three of you. But if the three of us were in a virtual room together... I'd say we'd all be selling ads, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd be sponsored by who? Okay, we <laughs> need to go question. on. There's a number of things, <laughs> and we, we have about six minutes left. Push it into that there, Jim. Uh, people, are, um, people have a choice, their commute. They're getting back eight to ten hours a week that they wouldn't normally have. So that's, that's what they have there on the end. Where, where, where the commercial side of things will come in, will then pe- come the yeah. big bigger companies will say, well, hang on now, we won't pay you as much. And that's when the debate yeah. will really kick yeah. off. Yeah. Yes. Go, on, go on, Jim, keep No, going. I was going to go on to Tidy Towns because uh, the Tidy Towns uh, results came out in, in the last number of, of days or so. Yeah. And uh, there was a, an East Clare, Pat, I'm looking at your paper there on the Clare Champion, page... Nine. Nine. Yeah. East Clare on the up. Yeah, it just covers all the, the, the various um, villages around, with say, Tulla, you have Kikishan, you have Fekel, uh, Whitegate, uh, all they all have, have increased their, their, their pints, Mount Shannon, Scarif. So it's, it's nice to see these Clare teams, I suppose, or, or East Clare clubs or um, communities... Um, increasing their pints and they're all doing well. It's nice and it's just nice to see villages nice and clean and tidy. Yeah. Hmm. And just the hiddens there, Kilrush bins uh, blends new blood and old hens. 
and council called uh, on to one of Tidy Town's volunteers and didn't Ines was supposed to be congratulating us on winning the national award. Oh yes. Yeah. This is Absolutely. something the whole town achieved and Bernie Kelly then re- reaps the awards of getting young people involved. And Barry Vaughan complimented as as a leader in sus- sustainability. So there's some, some some lovely photographs there as well from Bernie Kelly and from uh, Barry Vaughan and uh, group from Ines in Kilgush. So if people want to, to, to have a look at it over the weekend. Okay, very good. And I suppose we often talk to them around the parishes that um, people, you know, be it Tungraney or Budike or Whitegate or Mount Shannon or Scarif or whatever, they they improve their, their own oh, village and their own town yeah, for themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, John, you have something there? I on, have a, on, on an, the ad, an ad from the from the um, one of the papers. Your forest, your future. It's an invitation to the farming community to earn up to 680, wait for it now, 680 euro per hectare per year, tax-free for 15 years, if you plant now for the first time. Okay. I think this is well worthy of consideration by our listeners out there who have land to spare. And the second point about it is I'd ask that there would be a campaign to uh, influence our politicians in, who are in, a, in power to influence them to actually give a grant for replanting of forest. Replanting. You know that if you take yes. the timber yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, I mean, th- that, that's the. But they certainly would want to change the licensing system for yeah. taking the. for cutting the trees yes. then when it's. And that's just another addition, another addition to it. Flood relief scheme. I'm looking at this on page 13 on the East Clare page. Um, where's the flooding, Pat? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's a scheme for um, Killaloo and Belnay, a flood relief scheme for Belnay. Killaloo was getting underway, but the work is not until spaced to be complete until the final quarter of 2025 then then there's a story here on these clear page the Bray County Council as the lead authority in partnership with the Office of Public Works is now advancing with the Bray Bundle 2 Belnacle Loop Flood Relief Scheme the OPW have recommended the development of a flood relief scheme for the Belnacle Loop as a result of work completed in the Shannon Catchment Flood Risk Assessment and Management Study this flood relief scheme is part of, of a one billion national fund announced by the government for flood relief schemes throughout the country in 2018. Councillor Tony O'Brien welcomed the start of the work on the flood relief and and, and sorry, he is disappointed that the scheme will not t- will take four years before it is fully completed. Hmm. Well, I suppose if if if, if it gets going and and and, and it's a, succe- a success, they are. Um, well, the last bit of flooding works that were done in Killaloo uh, very nearly were a very substantial failure. I don't know if you remember uh, the pontoons that are now in existence in Killaloo. You know, would say mm. where where the boats are on on, on the canal. Oh yes, yes. yeah, that's yeah. a floating pontoon. Yes, yes, right. Yes. And they were being put in, replaced around two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine time, and then uh, two thousand eleven we had they had you know the levels that they had for them, and uh, then we had major flooding, and it was decided that the pontoons weren't sort of sufficiently high, so they had to go and sort of literally in, ra- you know raise the capability of the pontoons to go even even higher up. And that took a lot, a lot of time to do. Uh, 
how many years is it taking to get the bridge down there so i hope that uh, we don't have uh, with global warming and everything else like that that we don't have uh, flooding issues in killaloo uh, before the works actually get done, get done. Yeah. yes yeah john jim i'm um, just thinking uh, we have how many county councillors in our east clare area yeah that's what i was actually going to ask you john because you also on on page 13 the east clare page they're talking about the uh, the gma and no. there's praise for the GMA, the General Municipal Allocation. Allocation. We have five uh, councillors elected five. To, to this area. And I want to say, I am, as a citizen of the county, we are, I, am, I am delighted to offer our appreciation on the radio to our five councillors. They serve us exceptionally well. Would you agree? Yeah, I absolutely would. Okay. Yes, we we don't get it. You know, we don't mention that. All no, and I suppose enough. they get given out to a good bit. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Would you yeah. agree, Pat? Well, yeah, they they, they, they all work hard, and, and you know, they yeah, all yeah. work hard, and, and you know, they, they 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 do as much as they can for the East Clare area. Yeah. I think we we have yeah. a lot of a lot of benefits in the last few years. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and I'm just I'm just looking at the article, Pat. Uh, over the past seven years, one and a half million of benefits has been invested in the Kilu yeah, Municipal Kilo District. District. Yeah. Thanks to revenues raised from what we don't like to talk about, the property no, tax. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, but at least there is a bit of money coming back in, you know. So yeah. that, 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 that is good to see. Like as I said, I, I've mentioned before that I think that our councillors, uh, you talk about other people, the nurses and the doctors, mm. underappreciated, underpaid and overworked. And I think the councillors should be given a bigger allowance and actually let the people that are elected to the doll actually try and uh, do what they're supposed to do and not be involved in sort of local politics. politics. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I love the way the council and they all, they all, they all do it. They work with local groups yeah. very much. You know, I mean, they, they we don't kind of sit and wait to be handed something. They work with local groups. And, and if the and TDs that were in the doll did their job properly, we wouldn't have the big issues that we have in regard to legislation or sort of licenses for mm. cutting timber and the likes of that yes. you know rather than yeah. nonsense that and no planning set up, up for, for um, wind farms and yeah. what's interesting as well is in passing to say that they do not operate on a party basis no that is true. I know, they're just they're really community-based yes. uh, well, we, councillors, all of them. To say who they are, in no particular order, I know you have Pat Hayes and Pat Burke, uh, Alan O'Callaghan, Joe Cooney and Tony O'Brien. Mm -hmm. Those are the, the councillors in here in East Clare and they all come. Anytime we want them on the radio, they, they'll come in and they'll give us an update on what's happening. Okay, I think we've reached the end of our programme today. Uh, many thanks to uh, our panel here. Um, John S., thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome, Jim. And uh, Pat, Pat O'Brien, thank you very much too. Thanks, Jim. And uh, Luke, uh, for standing in again. Uh, came off the bench uh, there and played a blinder. Hopefully back to left outside. Next yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, a good sub, Jim. A great sub to have. Absolutely great sub to have. The um, I suppose we, we normally finish uh, with a bit of music. So, uh, Pat, what have you got for us? Uh, we have Racy and uh, Some Girls Will. And I suppose if they're in the mood... Oh, the song uh, Pat. You, you picked two interesting ones for today, didn't yes. you? Will what? Will what? What was it again? <laughs> in so, the mood. Well, some girls will, but John, some girls won't. Won't. There you are, you see. I know. And some <laughs> girls need a lot of loving. <laughs>
Yeah, they are. Some girls don't. <laughs> Listen, I think we better uh, pull, press the red button before things get out of hand. Anyway, many thanks for listening to us today, uh, to local media this week here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Please, God, we'll see you next week again at two o'clock. Goodbye and God bless. Say it will.